This is the Disciple Makers Podcast. The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was Disciple Maker, and Grace and Truth Living hosted a track called Women's Discipleship. As you know, memorizing scripture is an important part of discipleship. Well, Joanne Kraft from Grace and Truth Living, who facilitated this track, put together a nifty PDF download of 42 scriptures, and these are available to you for free through discipleship.org. And what's great is that you can just print them off anywhere in the world. This PDF is available for download through discipleship.org slash grace and truth. So go online and download their free PDF at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. Grace and truth is one word, by the way. Now here's the track session for Grace and Truth Living. Okay, um, getting started, you got your hand out there. So I'm going to start with this one. So the one that's got like the fill-ins there. Oh, you see, oh, there's some handouts coming. I'll wait a little bit. <clears throat> While we wait for everyone to get it, I will kind of start with a, um, a testimony part. Um, and I'm going to ask Tiffany. Uh-huh, I'm asking you to come on up here. So this is my friend Tiffany. Her and I both attend Fellowship Memphis Church. Um, I would say we are both disciple makers and we started going to some discipleship conferences together and we started to both have this burden on our hearts that I don't even think we communicated to each other. But then we started talking about it. And so in Orlando, Florida, we went to Exponential Conference, Orlando. We're at um, Universal Studios, not the amusement park, but like the food part. And we're like sitting there. I mean, is that surprising? <laughs> it was Willy Wonka restaurant. So we didn't want the rides. We wanted food. Um, so we're sitting there and we're watching all these people go by. And we were like, we got to do more in our church. Like, it's not just enough that you're making disciples or I'm making disciples. But how do we make this bigger? And so from that, we started thinking and we started writing down names and everything. And I'm going to let you share what we did, what we talked about. Yeah. Every single lady we talked to, they were like, yes, yes. The only reason I hadn't been doing this because I wasn't being trained. And so then Tiffany and I went through all the curriculums that her and I had and we slimmed it all down. Literally on a a month. I don't know. Some morning we had all our stuff out. We were like, yeah, that would be a good one. Okay, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. And we kind of slimmed it all down till we had about 12 lessons. And we said, okay, these are the lessons we would teach the women. We would put it up on a website so they could all have access to it. And then on a Saturday morning, we got these women together for about four hours, four or five hours. And we taught those lessons to them. And then we told them, okay, you guys got about a month. Be praying about this. Start studying these lessons. And then starting in September, October, that's when we'll start having you guys start to disciple women. We ask you to get about one to two women. To start with. And then the goal is after that year, encourage those one or two women to get one to two women and just keep going. And we felt like that was the way to really reach our body. Um, And so Fellowship Memphis is broken up into four different locations. Our location is very transient. transient. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so our goal was like, how do we capture these women for this year, year and a half? And the best way to do it was through discipleship. 
It wasn't through a Bible study. It wasn't through let's just have our Sunday morning meetings every once in a while. We were like, let's do life on life with them because they might not be here much longer. And so we wanted to make that impact in their lives. And it's just getting started. Um, We've got about three women who are discipling women right now. Um, Tiffany, myself, Michelle, um, Miss Janice, Karen. So, yeah. About five. And so that is that came from prayer. And now we're seeing it being flushed out. So we're still in the beginning stages of that. So at the end, we want to have a time of Q&A so you can kind of ask us some questions, ask us how those groups are are going through. And what I've given you is kind of the um, curriculum that we are using. And I'll go through some of that at the end, too. And I'll have you come up and share that, too. Thanks, Tiff. All right. So that's where my heart is, is um, discipling women, doing one on one life with women. And I was doing that before I came on staff with Downline and Downline kind of gave me more tools to be able to do it before I was just going off of what had been done in my life. So I had a woman disciple me early on in my walk with the Lord. I was about age 20 and she discipled me for about three years and really taught me what it looked like to love God and follow God. And then I started working at a camp and the woman that I worked for began to disciple me. So I always had these older women that I was just like soaking up information from. And so Leah was the first woman and then Angie was the second woman. And I felt like Angie kind of showed me more of the um the inside of her life. Like I always joked that I felt like I was a fly on the wall, like her and her husband would be having these discussions where to us, it would be like a fight. I'm like, I'm like, y'all are really arguing. So I'm like, let me just exit like out the door. And they were like, you're good. You can stay. This is fine. And it was so funny. The husband sometimes um, Marvin, he would say, Ari, whose side are you on? I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm on Jesus side. I don't know. I think y'all should just, I don't, I don't know. I just love y'all. I love both of you guys so much. <laughs> but I learned so much from just being in life with her. And I saw how she um, made a commitment every morning to study God's word. She is the woman who challenged me to memorize passages of scripture and books of the Bible was her. And I was just like, I remember one summer she was like, all right, all right we're going to memorize Philippians. I was like, there is no way. I can't memorize that much. And I didn't do it because I was just not feeling like I could. But then later on, I was like, "Okay, I can do this. I'm going to just do it like she did one verse a day. And so it was just having somebody in my life who pushed me in that area. And that's how we grow. We grow from community. And so starting with our um, handout here. Key passages for us is Matthew 419. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then also Matthew nine thirty seven. Then he said to his, his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so Christ has said that he wants to make us fishers of men. For us, it's fishers of women. He wants us to go out and fish for women. And that can be in all these different venues. It could be at your job. It could be in your family. It could be in the places where you minister. It could be in your church, wherever it is. You want to have those spiritual antennas up where you're always thinking, who is someone that I can begin to pour into? And it always I believe it always is going to start with evangelism. Either you're sharing the gospel with someone for the first time or you're sharing the gospel with someone so that they could live it out. You know, because the gospel doesn't just save us, it sustains us. Like we constantly go back to the gospel. 
You know, I constantly have to go back to I've been redeemed. I've constantly have to go back to I made righteous because of Christ, not because of anything I've done. And so that's going back to the gospel constantly. Does that make sense? So I'm always starting with the gospel. And then from that, you see how a relationship can develop and it could be a discipleship relationship. So the purpose to make women into fishers of other women, that is our purpose. But to do that, we must first choose to follow Christ. And that is where you get personal discipleship. So you've got to be discipled first. Now, this doesn't mean that someone's pouring into you. Rather, I mean, you're allowing Christ to pour into you. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about personal discipleship. So I've got an acronym for that. I love acronyms. Funny thing is, um, when I was younger, my mom told me I would be a teacher and I told her I would never be a teacher. (laughs) Don't ever tell your mom what you're not going to do, because hence now I'm a teacher. It's weird. Um, This is what I look at when I think about personal discipleship. First is my faith. Next is my offering. Next is my love for God, my love for others. Obedience to God's God's commands. Last one is witness for Christ. So before you can ask someone else to follow Christ, you've got to be following Christ, right? And so it always begins with my faith. What is it that I believe about God? Do I believe that he is a good father or do I believe he's a judge? If I believe he's a judge, then my walk with the Lord looks very different than if I believe that he's a good father. Am I right? If I think he's a judge, then I'm on that performance track where I've got to make things right. I've got to always do the right thing. If I mess up, then God's going to be mad at me. It's going to be very hard for you to disciple somebody because when they mess up, you're going to be putting on them what you put on yourself. You're going to be constantly harping on them. Why didn't you memorize your scripture? Why didn't you do this? Because that's how your relationship is with God. But if you realize that you've been adopted and you're a child of God and there's grace and there's mercy and there's love, then that's how you will then disciple someone else. So it's got to start with your faith. Next is your offering. You've got to be willing to put yourself on the altar before you ask somebody else to put themselves on the altar. Does that make sense? I can't say to this young woman, "Okay, God is calling you to do that. You need to just do it. But yet she doesn't see me following God like that. She doesn't see me laying down my rights. Does that make sense? So I first got to offer myself and say, God, my life is not my own. And I was having a conversation with um, a girl that I've discipled in the past on what day was this Wednesday. We were having lunch and she was just telling me about this issue that she's having, this relationship she's in. And I'm just listening, nodding my head like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And she was like, and I just love him. And this now I was like, okay. I said, is he a Christian? And she was like, well, and I mean, you know. So I just looked like, okay. And so then I went into, all right, when you accepted Christ, it was a call to die. So you have to die every single day. Right now, you're not dying. Your flesh is getting exactly what it wants and you're not dying because you know what God's word has said. And then she was saying, you know, I want to disciple other girls. And I was like, you can't. You're not in a position to do that because your life doesn't line up. So what would you be teaching them? Because they're going to look at your life and you can't say, yeah, I follow God. I love God. I want you to follow God and love God. However, I'm dating somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't have a relationship with God. And I'm thinking that's okay because I love him. 
Mm-mm. I've got to be able to offer myself, die to myself. And if we're really honest, I think this is the hardest part about being a Christian is I've got to take up that cross every single day and die to myself every single day. But I'm like, God, but I want this. And he's like, you can't have it. Oh, but why not? Because you can't have it because I told you you can't have it. So you need to die to that. The next one is my love for God. Um, His word says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right. And so my love for him automatically goes to my obedience. I have to have a love for him in order to do what he's calling me to do. That makes sense. My love for others is where I start to disciple. If you don't love people, you're not going to make disciples. If you tolerate people, you're not going to make disciples. (laughs) Can we be honest? Some of us tolerate people, right? We're just like, you're just here for a moment. Whether it be my work day or it be this time at church, I'm just tolerating you. But God has called us to love one another. And that's hard. And I mean, the, the commitment, the commandment he gave us, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. We're all good at loving ourselves. All of you all love yourselves. You're dressed nicely. You bathed. You brushed your teeth like you combed your hair. That is that's a form of love to take care of yourself. Right. So do you do that for other people? Do you love them as well as you love yourself? Do you provide for them as much as you would provide for yourself? And that's a call for discipleship to say, I love you. Thus, I'm going to give my life to you. Thus, I'm going to make a margin in my day to hang out with you. Does that make sense? And so when you call and say, hey, can I come over? I'm going to say, yeah, even though my house is not clean, even though I don't have it all together, I'm going to say, yes, I'm allowing you into my life because I love you. Does that make sense? And then obedience to God's commands. I can't call you to obey God if I don't obey God. And even if I'm honest and I tell you the times when I don't obey God, like being transparent with you and saying, yeah, God told me to forgive this person, but I'm really hard. I'm having a hard time with it and saying, can you pray for me? Asking someone that you're discipling to pray for you is huge. Like it really grows their relationship because they are now recognizing you're a real person and you don't have it all together. And you're trusting their relationship with God that they can pray on your behalf. And that last one, you're becoming a witness for Christ. You're out sharing the gospel, whether that's in church or that's in your community. But you're verbally telling about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what Christ called them to do when he said make disciples of all nations. He was saying you need to go out and verbally proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ. I can't make a disciple if I'm not willing to verbally proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So it starts with personal discipleship. I must first choose to follow Christ before I can ask anyone else to do it. Letter B, we must choose to join with other women. And so when you look at Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, um, have any of you seen the movie Risen? Anybody saw that movie? I love that movie. I love the, um, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin it for you. But it's been out a long time, so you should have seen it by now. So it's too late. 
So there's a scene in the movie when the disciples are on the seashore somewhere and um, they've got a group of people and they're all individually having these conversations. And there's a scene where they're walking away and I don't know which disciples it is, but one of them is saying, what did that sound like? Did it sound good? Did it sound like I was sharing it properly? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so awesome that he was sharing the gospel. And then he's asking his friend, who's also being called to make disciples like, all right, am I doing this good? Am I doing this right? How would you change it? What would you share? And it's like, we have to do that with people. We've got to join with other people to do that. So if we're looking at Matthew 28 and we're looking at verses 16 through 20, it says, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And so he's saying this not to one person, but to 11 disciples. And he's saying, I want all of you to be about this. And so that's why it was so um Important for Tiffany and I to join together and say, "Okay, both of us have the same heart of discipleship. How many more people could we reach if we do this together? Does that make sense? Because she could be over here and she could be discipling 10, 15 women and I could be discipling 10, 15 women. But if we come together, we could disciple like 45 to 100 women because we're pouring into people and we're then asking them to pour into people. And we're asking them to pour into people like it's it becomes more of a multiplication instead of an addition. And that's how we grow the kingdom of God. That makes sense. And so I've got to be willing to join with other women and co-labor in this with them and then join with other women so that I can disciple them. Like I can't be afraid of these relationships and saying, I've got a partner with you. I need you on my side. I need to know that you're committed to the same thing I'm committed to. One thing I was thinking when I was walking in yesterday, I think I was talking to Maybe it was Joanne. Somebody was telling me there, there was like 1,400 people here. I think that's about right. It might be more. 1,700 people at this conference. And the thing I thought about was, Lord, that is so many people hearing the same message. And if they all did it, oh, my gosh. Like, I think multiplication Like, man, if every single person in this room at this conference said, I'm going to go and disciple two people. What? Like our churches would grow. It would be like on fire. And then if we had called those two people to each go get two people, it's like it's like a wildfire. And that's what I think of when I see all these people coming, hearing the same message about discipleship is what if they actually did it? What if it it became not just notes on a paper, but like their life? And that's my desire. This becomes your life, not just some notes you take, but you say this is how I'm going to live. Like this is what I'm going to give my life to. That makes sense. The next one, who is at the center of our discipleship relationships? It's got to be Christ. It cannot be you. You are not making a disciple of yourself. You are making a disciple of Christ. And so that's where you constantly have to check yourself and say, you know what? Am I trying to make them look like me? Because if I am, then I'm not making a disciple of Christ. 
I'm calling them to look like him. I want them to imitate Christ, not me. And so that could be where you have to lay down some of your traditions. You might have to lay down some of your mindsets and say, you know what? I just want you to look like Christ. And so I want you to love the way Christ loves. I want you to give the way Christ gives. I don't want you to look like me. I want you to look like him. But he has to be the center of our discipleship relationships. The next part is developing an atmosphere for growth begins with closeness. Um, one passage you want to write down is Mark three fourteen, And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. So there's got to be a, a life on life transference in discipleship. They've got to come into your life. Um, I'm okay with, with meeting at coffee shops and libraries and things like that, but there's nothing like meeting in your home. People feel more comfortable. They feel more open. Um, like, I don't feel like I could meet at a Starbucks and then say, okay, tell me what you're struggling with. Tell me your sin struggles. They're going to be like, uh-uh. <laughs> Somebody might hear me. Somebody might be recording something. No, no, I'm good. Everything's great. I'm not struggling. Or they'll give you like a simple thing. You know, I'm just I just got anxiety. That's it. And you're just like, oh, but if you're at home, you got a little cup of coffee or you're sitting on a soft couch. It is all going to come out and it comes out because you're building a relationship with them. And, and we're the first people who start the closeness. And so the first part of our discipleship groups, what we've written down is you share your testimony. And so each session, everybody gets one hour to share their testimony. And so you share your long testimony. You share what God has done in your life. And the way we do it is we call it your scars and your stars. So your scars are the things that um, have been hard in your life. Those are the things that you're like, man, I've got these wounds, you know, whether it was growing up, I didn't have a father or I had molestation in my background or I experienced this. Like you just give them that opportunity to share, but you've shared it first. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then you share the stars. What are the good things? What are the victories you've had? You know, tell me about your successes. Tell me about the things that that you didn't think you could overcome, but you did overcome. So those scars and those stars. Um, one thing we realize is with building that closeness is it's, um, it's doing a lot of life on life. And I look at how Christ did it. And I think about how um, Christ went to the disciples' homes. One, one passage I think of is when he went into Peter's home. And he saw that Peter's mother-in-law was sick and Peter, you know, they were trying to eat and everything. But he she stopped and he said, let me pray for her. And so he had a relationship with him. He wasn't afraid to go into his home. He wasn't afraid to have them closeness with him. And so we've got to have that closeness. We've got to have that time. But here's the thing. Closeness is built. It's not assumed. You can't think just because it's two women who go to the same church who might have the same um, backgrounds that you're automatically going to have closeness. You have to work at this. You have to build this. And some are easier than others. Some women will come in and tell you their whole life story. And you're just like, okay, sis, who wait, wait, hold on. Okay. Wait, 
okay, okay, just keep going. And you've missed everything. You're just like, you got a lot in your life. Like, I don't even know what you just said, but I'm, let me pray. Let me just pray. <laughs> but then some ladies, they're really, they're, they've got so many walls built up. They've been hurt for by so many people that it's really hard for them to share. And sometimes if we're not acknowledging that, we can think they just don't want to share. They just don't want to be in the group. They just don't want to be discipled. But that's not true. It just means that you've got to work a little harder. And you've got to be a little more compassionate and you've got to take some time. and You've got to be patient and you've got to let them know that they can trust you. So I'll give you an example. So one woman I had, her name was Zipporah. And I remember in our group, she wasn't very open. You know, she would share just a little bit and just a little bit more and just a little bit more. And then one day we would have times where we had um, times of prayer and I would ask them to get into whatever position they want to get into to pray. And so I was like, if you want to lay out on the floor, you can pray. If you want to sit on the couch, you can pray. If you want to kneel, whatever you want to do. And so it was after that time, um, I remember in a, our time of prayer, she was just like starting to cry and stuff. And I was like, wow, OK, she's never really done that before. Like she's really become more open. And she told me afterwards, she said that in our group, she was so used to seeing women in the church who were kind of on these pedestals. And she never saw any woman in the church who had a position who got eye level with her. And so it was really hard for her to um, to like be open and be transparent because she had never experienced that before. And at the time I was um, the women's director for downline for the emerging leaders. So she saw me as somebody who was like unapproachable. But then as we were in our discipleship group and I'm sharing. And at that time, I think I was like dating somebody. So I was being real honest. I was like, this is what I'm struggling with. And I don't even know if I really like him. Maybe I do like him. I don't know if I want to get married, all this. And she was just like, I cannot believe you're telling us all this. And I was like, why not? I mean, that's what you do. And she was like, I have never experienced this before. And she was like in her late 20s, been in church her whole life, never experienced someone who had a position in the church who was transparent with her, who actually said, this is what I'm struggling with. And so you have to build that that closeness. You got to be willing to share some things with them. Um, hello. <laughs> we can be close. The person you're talking to. Here's here's some things about closeness. So some people you'll build closeness with them face to face and some are shoulder to shoulder. So some you can say, OK, let's just sit across the table and they'll just start sharing. Some will share when you're doing something with them. And so you've got to be creative in your discipleship and say, OK, I'm not always going to do the face to face. Sometimes let's go out and serve. Let's go out and do something. Let's go out and do some yard work. Let's go out and do something together, shoulder to shoulder, and then watch them share. So like with Zipporah, we would go shopping sometimes. And that's when stuff would just come out. You know, because it was um, she grew up in a in a time where um, or a church rather where it was very strict about the way you dressed. OK. And so um, I remember we went out and we were shopping for a dress. And so she was choosing all these dresses that just weren't like for her age, like they were just much older women dresses. And I was just like, why are you why are you picking that stuff up? Like, that's not cute. That is not, no. And so I remember I picked up a dress that was strapless and I was like, you should try this one on. And she was like, no way. I am never wearing that. I was like, just put it on. And she put it on. It was so cute. She was like, I have never worn anything like this before. And I was like, you can wear a shawl. 
cover your shoulders. It's okay. But it was like those things started to come out. She was like, well, when I was growing up, it was taught to me that you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this. And so I've just been so afraid to be expressive. And I was like, you can still look classy and be cute. You, it's okay. And so it was funny how some of those things came out because we were shoulder to shoulder. We were doing something together. And so in your discipleship times, you want to think of what are some things that I can do with these women outside of studying the Bible? And so some of that might be go grocery shopping together. It could be going to get your nails done together, go get your hair done together, yard work. I had one girl come over and I was like, okay, I've got to do my own grass. So you can come over and help me. We can sweat out here together. And when we were done, we were so tired, like dripping sweat. So we laid in the grass and that's when we talked. And she was like, oh, well, this is what I'm struggling with. And I was like, this is great. Just looking up at the sky, just talking. But it was like we did something together and that broke down the walls. And there wasn't that feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting at the table and I've got to tell you everything I'm struggling with. It was like she forgot about her walls. Does that make sense? Um, The next one is. Repetition promotes growth. Thus, it must be consistent. It must be consistent. Um, In your times with women, you've got to set. And I would say you start with your schedule. Look at what you can do in your schedule. For me, I'm not an evening person. And any girl who's been in my discipleship group, it's a joke now because I get sleepy around 830. I don't know what it is. Even when I was in college, I couldn't stay up late. Um, so funny story. Um, I decided one time I was like, okay, all the girls in my group were night girls. Like they were night owls and they were like, let's just try to meet at night. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So we tried to meet at night. It was like six o'clock and one of the girls was sharing her testimony and it was like in depth. Everybody's all into it. And I'm looking, I'm trying, I'm like, oh God, please help me do Oh, Lord. Okay. You know, when you're really tired and you're just like, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Like, I don't I don't know what you're saying. And I fell asleep like and they just all died laughing. And I was like, I was like, I told you I'm not a night person. I'm trying. So you got to know when you can meet. I say all that to say, if you are not a night person, Don't make your discipleship group at night. Don't feel like you've got to rearrange it so that it can meet their schedule. You're the one who is having the group. Thus, it needs to be a time that works best for you. So what works best for me is 5 a.m. In the morning, I'm a morning person. I have a little girl now. I have my little cousin who lives with me. And so I've got to get her ready for school. I've got to do homework and stuff like that. So evenings did not work. But 5 a.m. works because six years old, they don't get up at 5 a.m. So she's still asleep. So I can meet with them from 5 to 6 or 5 to 6.30. And I told them, I said, this is my time. This is all I have. Are you willing to make that happen? And let me tell you, if people want it, they will come. So don't feel like, well, if I do that, then nobody's going to come. If they want it, they will come. We have a guy in Memphis, Sue Campbell. That's the only time he meets with guys. It's like 5 a.m. 4, 4 a.m. I don't even know who's awake at 4 a.m. Like the police. That's it. I don't know anybody else who's up. But, but Tiffany, men go to his house. 
for driving through the dark, going to his house because they want it. They want to be discipled. They want someone to train them in how to walk with the Lord. So you've got to look at what that time is. And so when you present that you will disciple someone, you present it like that. This is a time I have. I either have Sunday afternoons right after church or we can meet Sunday before church, whatever it is. You look at your schedule because it needs to be something that can fit into your life. Does that make sense? And then your margins is where you do your life on life with them. But the truth part needs to be a consistent time. They need to know every week we're going to meet at this time. And and in the beginning, I would say you have some grace because sometimes people run a little late. But after a while, you have to start giving a little you got to be a little tough and say, all right, this is the time we meet. And so I had a group at one time where I had three girls and I said, y'all, we're meeting at 5 a.m. And so the first month, you know, they would come in about 5.05, 5.15. And it was about the second month. I was like, OK, we're meeting at 5 a.m. The door will be locked. Don't ring the doorbell. I love you. Let me tell you, at about 4.59, I could hear cars. <laughs> and they're like running up the steps. And they're like, I'm in. I'm in. I was like, uh, I'm going to need you to not get a ticket. Please just wake up early, like set your alarm. But you've got to be consistent. You've got to hold them to a standard and you've got to hold yourself to the same standards to say, "Okay, Lord, this is a time I've carved out for them. Thus, I need to study for this. I need to be prepared because I'm asking these women to take time out of their lives. They want to be discipled. Thus, I can't just come with anything. So you've got to take that time to say, "Okay, I'm meeting with them. Thus, I'm going to get into God's word. So I have. Um, something to share with them. Does that make sense? But it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. (coughs) F, developing the tools begins with curriculum. Begins with curriculum. Um, You've got to have some standards of things you want to teach. I call it some pillars of the faith. Where there's things that you say, no matter what, I want to make sure they walk out of this group knowing these things. And that's where you've got that checklist there. So let's go through that. Everybody got this one? Okay. This is not in a um, specific order. But as you're thinking about your curriculum, you want to make sure you have these things in it. So first, they should know how to share their testimony. Um, One thing I do is I give them a kind of like a pattern. And this is their testimony of how they came to know the Lord. So first thing I ask is, who were you before Christ? So this is where they can share their background. I grew up in a church or I grew up with parents that weren't believers or I was adopted or whatever their sin struggles were. Here's the thing, though. This needs to be short, especially if they're talking about sin struggles. You want to help them to know that you don't glorify your sin. You glorify God. So some testimonies I'm sure you've heard where it's like, man, I know a lot of their sin. I don't know a lot about what God has done in their life since that. Does that make sense? So second part is how did you come to know the Lord? Um, I used to. Really stick to like, um, you know, tell me a specific time. Was there a date? All that. I've, I've since grown from that to say, you know what? Sometimes people come to know the Lord over a period of time where they can say, man, I remember God started pursuing me at this age. And it was around this time where I really said, OK, God, I'm yours. 
and they surrendered their life or they saw over a period of time where they were like, I really get the gospel and I'm giving my life over to the Lord. But this this you want to help them um, to really learn how to share and to really own and say, this is your story. This is how God pursued you specifically. Um, this is where you ask them to put in some scripture. What are some scriptures that God has has given you that confirm your walk with him? Three. How has your life? No. How has, yeah. How has your life changed since walking with the Lord? I hate the way I wrote that sentence. That doesn't make any sense, but I'll explain to you. Um, basically, what you're asking them is like, tell me what your life looks like now in Christ. You know, what changes has God made in your life? This is where you talk about sanctification. Like, how has God changed you? And that's where you spend the most time on these two. A little bit on this. This is what I was before Christ. But in all actuality, I was dead. And so even if they just share that, I was dead. So that's how I look at my testimony. From the ages of one to 19, I was dead. Whatever I did meant nothing. It was rubbish. But this is where I start to live. When Christ saved me, that's real life. Like I, I cross from death to life. Does that make sense? And so helping them to realize how to share that testimony. <clears throat> the next is showing them how to share the gospel. Um, what I have noticed is that <clears throat> when I would do interviews with women who were going through downline, I would ask them, share the gospel with me. And they would say, well, what do you mean? And then some of them would share their testimony Some of them would share what they would tell somebody. But the gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. They need to be able to walk through the Bible with someone and share the gospel from the Bible. That makes sense. So even if that's a track and you teach them how to study that track and know that track and know those verses, even if it's Romans Road, if it's um, the Evangel Cube, whatever it is, showing them how to talk somebody Um, how to talk to someone about the gospel from the Bible because they've got to know those scriptures because those are the things that are going to stick with people when they walk away is God's word, not their testimony. They'll they'll remember a little bit about their testimony, but they'll remember what God's word says because that's what God's word is supposed to do. It sticks with us. Does that make sense? The next one is the Great Commission. You want to walk them through what the Great Commission says. Um, If you don't have any studies on that, Downline does have one. Um, You could go to the Downline website and you can print off, I think, the Great Commission um, lesson. I think that's a free one uh, because we just want everybody to know that one. Um, So the Great Commission, they need to know that. I would encourage them to memorize that, but you can't encourage them to memorize it if you have not memorized it. So I would encourage you to first do it. Next one is quiet time and prayer. You can't assume that people know that they're supposed to have a quiet time, especially when you are discipling someone who has not been what we call churched, someone who hasn't been raised in the church, someone who this is all brand new. And you say, "Okay, go have a quiet time. They're like, does that mean meditate? Like, what does that mean? So you have to show them. And that's what you do. You actually show them. You bring them over 
And you say, I'm going to have my quiet time and you're going to watch me have my quiet time. This is what it looks like to study God's word. I might have a time of praise and worship. I might have a time of prayer. These are my prayer cards. This is my prayer journal. Whatever it is you use, you let them see that so that they can then say, oh, okay. And you do this every morning. You're like, yeah, this is what I do so that I can have time with the Lord. No distractions, just me and Jesus. Um, the next one is a creating an all nations worldview. Um, in my living room, I have a big map. And so um, I'll have times where we just look at the map and we'll choose a country and we begin to pray for them. Or we'll use Voice of the Martyrs magazine, um, which you can order. It's free to order. You, you know, they ask for donations, but it's free to order and you can get that and you can begin to pray for the persecuted church. And it helps to open up your minds to other things that are going on in our nation. Um, you can also use the app. Um, Operation World has an app, especially if you're a disciple of millennials, you know, and they've got their phones and stuff. Use that to your advantage. Say, OK, there's some apps I want you to download. I want you to get Operation World. There's another one called um Oh, gosh, what's it called? I think it's called like Verse Fighter or something like that. It's to help memorize scripture. Um, there's Bible apps. So using those, using their phone and saying, OK, let's use this and you're going to bring it out. So let's pull up Operation World. Let's read about this country and then let's pray for them. But helping them to have an all nations view, because that's what it says in the Great Commission, that we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. Here's the other part about all nations. <clears throat> Um, because you know how our culture is right now with the racial divide that I believe has always been here is just coming to the surface more. It's kind of like everything's being boiled. And so everything's coming to the surface. And it's sad because the things we're seeing in people's hearts, you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. But we have sinful hearts. Got it. And so asking them um, to cross those cultural lines and saying, OK, as an African-American woman, I want you to pursue Caucasian women. I want you to pursue Asian women. I want you to pursue Middle Eastern women as a Caucasian woman. I want you to pursue African-American women. I want you to pursue Asian women like call into that. But they've got to see that in your life first. So if that's something you're afraid of, then you ask God to help you and say, God, please show me how to cross these cultural lines, because your word tells me to make disciples of all nations. And so I'll give you an example. So one of the girls I disciple, her name, um, I won't tell her name, but we're totally different. Totally different. Um, she likes punk rock Christian music that I had never even knew existed. <laughs> and I like gospel, you know. And so one night we decided, OK, let's let's try to understand each other better. So I was like, you bring some of your music and I'll bring some of mine and we'll just have like a listening night. So funny because she was playing the songs and I was just like, what are they saying? How do you know they're talking about Jesus? She was like, well, he just said that God is awesome. I was like, I did not hear that, but okay. And then, and then I'm playing my gospel music. That's like, uh, uh, and then she was like, okay, this is different, but it's crossing those cultural lines and trying to remove any stereotypes. So I'm not looking at her saying she's not a Christian because she listens to that music and she's not looking at me like, oh, she's so traditional. It's like, no, we're going to come together. You're going to understand why I like this. We're going to talk about it so that we can cross those lines. Does that make sense? Because the, the racial reconciliation is going to start with the church. I'm just letting you know. And I believe discipleship is going to play a big role in it. When people see black and white women walking together and loving one another because of discipleship, they're going to be like, what? 
And that's only in the church. <clears throat> and you guys can read the rest of that. Um, doctrines of the Bible. I believe you got to teach that one you can do is um, 30 days to understand the Bible. And I give some suggestions for those other ones. Um, spiritual growth books. Let me just talk on that for a second. I wouldn't choose more than one book to use in your discipleship time because you don't want them to be so consumed with books and they're not consumed with this book. So I, I take one book that I use. And then we study through a book of the Bible because I want them to know how to study God's word and how to break down God's word. That makes sense. So whatever that book is, you read it first and make sure it's something that is actually good um, that lines up with God's word. So you got to run it through the filter of God's word and then you start using it with other people. But I would not suggest you start a book together that you've never read because you could get halfway through that and be like, this is heresy. This is not this is not good. And then they're like, did you not plan? Did you not know? And then it makes you look like you're not trustworthy. Does that make sense? So you you take that lesson first. The other thing is student led lessons. Whatever you teach them, they need to be able to teach back to you. So one of the girls I have, Valerie, I teach her a lesson and then I say, OK, you've got next week. Study it. And then you come back and you teach the same lesson back to me. That's how you know you've learned something. If you can teach it back, then you've learned it. But if you don't hold them to that, then they're just going to have a whole bunch of head knowledge. And the goal is you want them to go and have discipleship relationships, right? So they've got to know it so they can teach it to somebody else. That makes sense? So developing the tools begins with curriculum. Um, I think that's about Oh, the last thing on there is the covenant. I think it's on the back of the page for the curriculum. Oh, oh, great. Oh, thank you. She made it. Um, covenant for the group. Um, <clears throat> what I do in the beginning before I start a group, I tell them what to expect. I say this is the time we're going to meet. I will ask you to memorize scripture. I'll ask you to study um, this book of the Bible. I'll ask you to read this book. I'll ask you to be transparent and, and kind of those things. And then I say take a week to pray about it. So that's kind of like my covenant. It's not a written covenant. It's more of a verbal one. And I say, I want you to take time to really pray about that and then come back and then we'll talk and see if this is really what you want to do. And one girl, I said, it's like me. It's like you're allowing me to have a magnifying glass on your life. So you got to know if that's something you want. And I remember one girl told me that's not what I want. And I said, that's totally okay. You can stick with the Bible study. So what I've done in the past is I have a big group where it's a Bible study I might do for like three months. Some of you might have small groups or things like that. But then from that, I ask the Lord to show me who out of that group wants to be discipled because not everybody wants the life on life. They just don't. Some people just want the Bible study. They just want the big group. So you ask God to show you who out of this big group do you want me to really pour into? And then those are the ones that you approach. And most likely it's going to be what they want, too, because they'll say, man, that's exactly what I wanted. I'm so glad you asked me. Yes. When do we start? And then that helps you to not be wasting your time. OK, going back to this one, we got three more. Um, G. Stretching women is done by challenging them. Um, I shared in the last session how you want to 
how you want to challenge people in their walk with the Lord. And you do that by um, what I like to say. You start small and then you raise the bar. So you might start with one verse and then you raise the bar to three verses. Then you raise the bar to 10 verses. Then you raise the bar to a chapter of the Bible where you're saying, I want you to know God's word so well so that when you get in hardships, that's what comes out. That makes sense. Um, Because God's word says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So God's word is what keeps us. It's what sustains us. It's what protects us. And so I'm so um, adamant about them studying God's word and knowing it and memorizing it. But you have to challenge them in that. Um, You challenge them in sharing the gospel. You go out and share the gospel with them. Um, If you're afraid to do that, take a track with you. Or um, I like using the Evangelicube, even with adults, because it's it's a visual thing. It's not intimidating. It's like, can I just show you this? And they're like, oh, cool. What's that? And you show them and you walk them through the gospel and then you let the girl do it. And you say, OK, I'm going to stand with you and I'll help you fill in. If you forget some verses, I'll fill in for you. But you all practice that and you challenge them in that. And then you call them to the point where it's like, OK, I just want you to share the gospel. And then you come back and tell me, you know, who you shared with in our discipleship time. But you keep challenging them and pushing them because you want them to be able to walk firmly with God. And you want them to be to a point <clears throat> at a point where they're making disciples. That makes sense. I think my voice is going away. <clears throat> if I sound like a man, it's because uh, my throat hurts. Okay, last one um, for H. Going back to the main purpose. Remember, your main purpose for having a discipleship group is so that they would make disciples. So towards the end, if you do a group that's a, a year, about the ninth, tenth month, that's when I start having them bring a binder and I start having them put lessons in it. And I say, okay, you're building now your discipleship binder. So that you now have these lessons that you're going to teach people. And then I'm starting to ask them, who are you meeting with? Who have you reached out to? Who are you praying about? Who's God putting on your mind? And then about the 11th month, I'm like, okay, it's now starts. It's time for you to start meeting with them. Like get a meeting so that they will know the goal is to make disciples. The goal is not for them to be discipled by me forever in this one on one every week. That's not the goal. The goal is to get them trained so that they go and do it to somebody else. And by the end of your time, you close. You say, this is it. And then you become a resource for them where it's like they can always call on you and say, OK, I got a girl in my group and she's struggling with this. I don't really want to. I don't know what to do. Or she's having a hard time um, understanding that God's word is true. What do I do? And then that's where you kind of feed in and then you just become a resource for her. you just become a friend for her. Does that make sense? Now, this last one, developing a church wide uh, group. There's four things. And I think you heard them as Tiffany and I were sharing in the beginning. First one is prayer. Um, This is the same way that Jesus chose his disciples. He spent the whole night praying and then he chose the 12 out of all the disciples he had. He chose those 12. (laughs) So spend time in prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer and asking God, who is it that you want me to start pouring into? Who are the women in my church who want to do this alongside with me and and ask God to confirm that for you? The next one is a set group of women. Um, I don't think you want to do just a blanket thing and say, hey, anybody want to disciple women? Mm -mm. 
I think you need to start with a set group and saying, okay, we're going to start with five women who are committed to this, especially if you've had women who've come to this conference with you from your church. Those probably need to be the first ones and say, hey, let's take everything we've learned and begin to pour it into somebody else. The next one is a set curriculum. Um, You and that group of women or you and that other woman that you're doing this with, you all sit down and say, "Okay, this is our curriculum. This is what we're going to teach through. And now you and so for Tiffany and I, we did 12 lessons. But as you know, a year you can teach 12 lessons and you still got a lot of time left. So we did that so that each woman could have freedom to do different lessons in their time, but to know that they got to get those 12 in. They got to have those basics in. And the last one is an agreement or a covenant where that group of women that you've chosen are agreeing to say that they're going to disciple women and agreeing to the curriculum and agreeing to this time to be in prayer for their church. Um, And we're like I said, we're still in the beginning stages. We don't have it all put together yet. Um, It's not all perfect, but we're trying because we want to see women know God. And so you got to just start somewhere. And that was the thing with us. We were like, we just got to start somewhere. We keep talking about it. Just got to do it. And so it's so funny when we were sitting at a Universal Studios, we just pulled up our phone and just started typing in names like, yeah, this person, that person. Yeah. okay, here's some here's some lessons and just starting doing it and then watching God um, bless it. Like I'm just I'm blessed by seeing these women get excited about discipling women like it just warms my heart. So any questions? Mm-hmm. Yes. The question was, she said she was following me and following me. But then the thing that stopped is having a set curriculum. And she asked, how did you come up with a set curriculum? Um, for me, I got a lot of stuff from downline. Um, and so here's my downline plug. Um, we have a, a website called the downline builder. OK. And so you can subscribe to that. And what you do is you create lessons You create a curriculum for the group that you're meeting with. So you put in there how many women you're meeting with, the time you're meeting with them. um, And then you kind of um, what they call it, drag and drop lessons. So here's a lesson on doctrine. Here's a lesson on um, um, sexuality. Here's a lesson on whatever. And then in that, it also puts a life on lifetime. So then you say, okay, we're going to go grocery shopping or we're going to go for a walk. Like you put it all in there, especially if you're just starting out. It kind of gives you like some type of format. So that would be one option. Downlinebuilder.com. That's one option. Um, The other one is taking lessons that you get from church and creating lessons from that. Like in when you go to church and you're taking notes when there's things that are sticking out to you and you're like, OK, yeah, that's really good. I feel like that's something that believers need to know. And it lines up with kind of one of those curriculum um, checklists. Um, another one is there's so many resources downstairs. I know there is. Uh, this st- Come on up. <laughs> oh, oh, go ahead and um, say it. Robbie, yeah, Robbie Galaxy. Mm-hmm. So if there's like um, another one I've used is uh, Fundamentals of the Faith, and it goes through doctrine, it goes through um, just different aspects of of Christianity. I've used that one. Um, some of the suggestions in here, 
you know, the 30 days to understanding the Bible, clarifying the Bible, like beginning to put some of those things together and then kind of put your curriculum together. It was really it was mm-hmm. a good lesson. Too. And that's by Christy Cole, biblical mm-hmm. woman, biblical femininity. Yeah. Biblical femininity. yeah. Um, so. The question was, so everybody knows, the question was, when you take people out to um, share the gospel, do you do that with strangers or you do that with like you're asking to do that with people that they know? The other question was, if they do accept Christ, what do you do with them then? Um, So what I've told girls, I'll answer the second question first. What I've told girls is to be prepared if someone does say that they want to accept Christ, be prepared to either get their phone number. And, and build a relationship with them. Or if, if it's a guy, then make sure you've got some people that you can direct them to. And that's where it comes in, where you've got a, a relationship with other people who are making disciples. Right. And so you can say, OK, I know somebody you can meet with or I know a church that you could attend, especially if you're at a place and it's not in your city. It's like I know a church you could go to. I know a place you could talk or people you could talk to. Um, the other thing is uh, Tiffany and I both use tracks. And so that would be with strangers like, you know, at restaurant, you can even share about that. So um, the, a lady that disciples me, divvy out time. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and learning how to have what you call gospel conversations where you you could be talking about anything and you learn how to intersect Jesus into the conversation. And that's that comes with just practice. Um, let let me do this real quick. I know that you guys got to get to the food trucks. Is that right? So I'm going to pray. And then if you still have questions, then we'll kind of stay back. But I want to just make sure people who are ready to go. It's a little warm up in here. So if you are ready to go, I'll let you go and then we'll go from there. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth um, that you give to us, Lord. I thank you for um, every woman that is in this room right now. I thank you for those who are excited about making disciples, who are excited about taking this um, to their churches and to their communities. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to equip them, continue to burn this this flame in them. And Lord, I pray that uh, we will be able to even come back next year and this room will be full, even more full, because they are now bringing their girls with them that they're discipling. And so, Lord, we pray that and we believe that. And Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. The message you just heard was from Grace and Truth Living's track at the National Disciple Making Forum. Download their free PDF giveaway that has 42 printable scripture memory cards. It's at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. You'll find dozens of other great resources for discipleship at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.